It's all about Southampton. The So So Show with Zoe Hanson and Simon Clark. Hello and welcome to Southampton's podcast, The So So Show. We bring a light-hearted look at life in the city into your inbox every week. It's hosted by her, Zoe Hanson. And him, Simon Clark. This week, we're talking about the latest lifting of lockdown restrictions. The whole thing is like a totally new journey, but also incredibly exciting. And everybody, whether I think you're a customer or an employee, is getting a buzz from seeing everything restart. It was the week where babysitters could pretty much name their own price. (laughs) Wasn't it just? I mean, you could feel the excitement. I mean, Sunday was just a crazy stressful day, wasn't it, for everyone? I think anybody reopening anything at all on Monday was like super excited but super nervous as well. Do you remember when we talked to Giles Squire from Southampton Bid way back in the summer when the first lockdown sort of started to to lift and they were saying about all of these businesses and all of these buildings that hadn't been used for so long, they had to run the taps because of Lyme's disease. These things you just wouldn't think about, would you? But their old hands are doing that now because they've had to do it, what, twice, three times before? Three... I know, I know. So Monday was just a, uh, it was ultra exciting, wasn't it? So in the morning, myself and my little and my eight-year-old daughter, we went and got braids. <laughs> just because we could. Do you remember we spoke to Trenza Braid Bar? Yeah, yeah. But they've got this bell tent um, and it was just amazing. It was just awesome. So my daughter's got braids. She's got big plaits all the way down her hair that go from purple to cerise pink to baby pink and they're all the way down her back and she just loves them but it's a real sort of festival look so we came home and had a bit of a festival in the kitchen you know we ate noodles we stood out in the rain we wore wellies played some music (laughs) from the other end of the garden with the bass up all the way so all you could hear is a thumping (laughs) sound cool you sound like my dad Did you did you face paint as well? Was there that element of festival no, in there too? No, no, we'd gone with the braids and that's it, right? So I look I look I, I, I think it looks quite cool. But actually I'm probably about twenty years too late to have braids, I think. <laughs> <laughs> And did you wince as they put them in? No. Do you know what was amazing is that I just didn't. I just didn't. And I, they look as if they're so tight and they are still in, you know, three days later. But they weren't. They're not that tight at all. My daughter slept in hers as well. But it was hypnotic watching it happen. And if you go onto their Instagram, um, Trends of Braid Bar, you'll be able to watch the videos of them plaiting people's hair and all of the different styles that they do. And I swear... It's so relaxing. It's lovely. But then, of course, I have to do it. Every time lockdown is lifted and the shops reopen, I go down and have a little look at the Primark queue in town. And how big was the Primark queue? The Primark queue has been the same size whenever I've been down there. And it goes all the way out of the front door, round the corner, down past 
Oh, what's the what's the Mexican place? Taco Bell. Yes, so straight down past Taco Bell, past where Laura Ashley used to be, right down to where the bus station is, you know? Yeah. And um, we walked the queue. It was taking about 15 minutes to get in there. They, they, it's such a massive store. It's fine, but they're limiting numbers. So the same as I said, the first time we reopened, Primark in Southampton is an absolute pleasure because it's not... Like 50,000 people are there when you are trying to find a nice top for a Saturday night out. So the shopping experience is actually better. Yes, yes. And while it's not raining, it's no bother to queue, is it? Not at all. How was the queue outside Debenhams? Because they reopened for a sale, didn't they? Well, that's what I heard as well. I heard that they were reopening the stores to uh, to... I heard that they were reopening the stores to sell the stock off but it didn't seem to be in Southampton because I went round there thinking, oh, there's going to be a Debenham sale. No, there wasn't. There wasn't. It's still completely shut. And it just looks so sad. You know, like the kid that's the first one out on musical bumps. It just looked like that. Yeah. Like everybody else is having a good time and I'm just not even open. Oh. But I swear, the whole of town, it was buzzing. And do you remember that last year when all the shops reopened, it was quite quiet around the place. West Key he didn't have too many people in there but this time everybody was just going for it I swear they must have all had Christmas money and birthday money to spend because everybody was out but everybody was sort of going on the one-way system around West Quay and it yeah it, it was just full of excitement it was just full of hope and yay look there's people around and they're doing stuff and they're eating things and they're drinking things that's the other thing to note we went along the new bit of West Key where all the restaurants are and we decided to go to the Red Dog Saloon for a for a big hot dog yeah and no can't get in there I went to lots of those places along there they're all fully booked so if you want to go out for something to eat even if it's just a pop in for a quick drink or wherever you need to book but it was like that during Eat Out to Help Out, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was. But there ain't no off the price at the moment. You know, this is just people wanting to go out and see their mates. What I think would have been quite cool is if that open area where they normally stick the ice rink, if they put loads of seating in yeah. and maybe got some festival yes. food vendors to park up around the outside yeah, and then maybe serve food there. I mean, I appreciate that's taking trade away from everything else along that strip, but they can only serve so many people at once. So why not just open that up as kind of like a street food market area? Well, funny you should say that because they've put some trestle tables down there. (laughs) Um, They must have um, been in your head, Simon, because they put trestle tables out there and people were going and getting Burger King or whatever. And where you can't sit in to eat, they're taking their food down there. And obviously it's just a lovely place to be, isn't it? Mm. So they've created a giant picnic area in the middle of the city because they obviously foresaw the fact that they would need somewhere for people to go. That's good. Yeah, so I've bought 50,000 deck chairs. I thought I'd just go down there and hire them out. (laughs) Sounds like a great plan. (laughs) I didn't make it into town on Monday, but I did make it as far as Bitten Park and the Bitten Triangle. Right. Fair play to the owners of the antique shop in the Bitten Triangle. I think it's called Track 21. Because they've pivoted their business. Right. Because they don't just sell antiques. They now sell the one thing that you cannot leave the house and go shopping and not buy. Right. Is it loo roll? Nope. Fertiliser. Two stone weight loss. (laughs) Coffee. 
they have a board up outside that says SO Roast Coffee. Oh, well done, them. So it's an antique shop, but if you fancy a latte, they can also knock one of those up for you at the same time. This is perfect. And the other thing is, if you've never been inside that shop, it's incredible. When they were taking it over, they stripped all the plasterboard off the walls and behind it, they found all the Victorian wall panels, the genuine Victorian wall panels. Wow. So it looks incredible. And they've got some amazing antiques and there's a bench outside. You can buy a latte. Sales of benches have gone up a lot, I can see it. Bedford Place, of course. Now, they pedestrianised it last summer and they've got all of their tables and chairs and everything out there. We went up to Bedford Place and they've painted the roads as well. And it just looks brilliant. You know, there's a real buzz about it there. Very obviously, lots of people had taken the time off. They'd all booked that Monday, the reopening Monday, to go and have a drink in Bedford Place. And you could see people sort of with their their session or an hour long booking finishing in one place and them going straight across the road to get a beer from the other. Didn't I tell you in the last edition that people had booked up multiple slots? Yes, but it looked as if it was busy, though. So, yeah, they obviously planned their session like a mini pub crawl. We'll have an hour here, then we'll go there, then we'll go there. And they turned up for them, which is brilliant. It's so great to see all of those retailers are being looked after by their public. Yes. I think that's the thing at the moment, isn't it? Look, we're all about, you've got to be kind to each other, okay? The other thing that I thought was brilliant, and I knew I had to tell you something. So I saw some people arrive at the bars on scooters. You know, the the e-scooters that they're, they're doing a trial for around the city. Some people were taking their scooters and going to the bars. I'm like, yeah, that's a great idea. So have you finally managed to get on one? Yes! Uh, I went down to the university. I filmed it as well because I was a bit like, oh, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm normally absolute rubbish at these things. Uh, it took me five times to pass my driving test. <laughs> so, yeah, if you see me on an orange scooter, get out the way! <laughs> but they're really, really cool. So you go down, take your driving licence with you. You can hook yourself up on the app. And then I think it's 14p a minute. I think that's how much they charge. Or you can you can buy like a season of um, a month or whatever and use it however much. But they're brilliant. But you do have to scoot to get them going. You've got to give it like two or three scoots. And then you press. It's just a button that says go. <laughs> so it's a bit like starting a lawnmower. You have to pull the cord a couple of times before yeah. it kicks in. So you've got to actually do a little bit of scooting before it says, right, OK, yeah. you've committed now. And that means I've done exercise. So look, it's covering all bases. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you finally got to have a go on one. So while we've been talking about the latest lifting of lockdown from the public's perspective, we thought this week it would be good to find out how the industry feel about it. So Zoe's been to chat to Annalise from Delicious Dining, who couldn't wait to get the doors open on Monday. It feels amazing to be back open again. I think last time you and I met was in June last year. Uh, When we were preparing for the reopening how many reopenings have we done now? Yeah, like I think it's reopening number three or four. I mean, <laughs> the name of the game has definitely been adaptability, but each time it feels slightly different, right? So yes. who'd have thought at the time in June, I think we've been closed 12 weeks and we were, you know, we we're talking about the amazing things that we've been able to do with that time. 
And so have you changed some of the things that sort of go on behind the scenes or the setup? Well, absolutely. We've only had behind the scenes to work on. <laughs> Got to do something, right? <laughs> I'm fortunate that I've been able to work like the whole way through. It's kept me focused. But as a business, we've been able to rebuild better. So we have literally stripped the business back to the foundations and that started with involving the leadership team and talking about what our values are like what do we even mean as a company that's hugely important and I think once you nail that collaboratively you're all sort of working from exactly the same starting block and from that we've had total HR makeovers all new systems so if you go into our venues be kind they're using new tools they haven't been there for a year they're using new tools there's new systems oh my gosh yeah and there's new menus um, you know with the banana wharfs uh, they reopened on the 17th of April outside only of course socially distanced so right through from the food to the drinks to the systems we've got old staff new staff you know the whole thing is like a totally new journey but also incredibly exciting and everybody whether I think you're a customer or an employee is getting a buzz from seeing everything restart. Oh definitely the atmosphere is absolutely buzzing and I know that you're saying about you know working behind the scenes quite a lot you've had a year you've come up with a new cocktail. So I have come up with the most incredible new cocktail well not me River Um, he's a new addition to the team so he looks after our bars we have come up with the banana colada. Now, how in 13 years nobody ever made that connection and saw that we could do a cocktail named that, but we're there now. And for me, that's one of the most exciting things to come out of this. Yeah, and I was going to say, and that probably needs to go through some sort of rigorous testing, doesn't it, you know? Well, you know, I think it's really important (laughs) to be a team player. Um, so, You've got to be involved in this, haven't well, you? I didn't just get involved. I put myself forward as the lead on that project. So there's a lot of tasting going on. If the banana colada is like the Cadbury's factory where they say, eat as much chocolate as you like, yeah. you can count me in. Put me on the payroll. <laughs> <laughs> There'll definitely be a job for you. There's a job for you anytime. Some people may not have been there for a year. They may have been furloughed. Coming back, you know, people must feel quite anxious. Having sat in your place on your own for that long, you know, it gives everybody a bit of anxiety, doesn't it? Even going to the shops or whatever, doing those things for the first time. Going back to work must make people feel quite sort of anxious and a bit worried about it nobody's going to remember their password on the first day are they you know when did I last use this yeah well luckily it's a brand new system so they don't have to remember an old password but you're absolutely right and I don't want to sound overly cliched but everybody does feel differently about it and I think you have to be really mindful of that so part of our HR makeover was to introduce mental health and well-being policies into the business you know this time has given us all an opportunity to see the importance of investing in our teams you know if they're coming to work happy and healthy then the customer is getting the best experience Mm -hmm. this is the start of that journey for us and it's something we're going to continue to work on with our teams to make sure that we can provide support but yeah absolutely there are some people that you know haven't had to do a shift for a year and they're not coming back at 10 miles an hour thankfully there's a real appetite from customers to be back out there again so they're literally going from zero to 100 miles an hour overnight so you know I would say that we're doing everything we can to ensure our customers have the best experience as I know all hospitality businesses will do we thrive on serving customers but you know it's also a little bit of kindness to the team who are doing it almost for the first time that's Annalise from Delicious 
dining who couldn't wait to get the doors open on Monday. Banana Wharf is open again, but it's going to be a while before Grand Cafe gets to open its doors because they don't have any outside seating. However, they do have a rather exciting new cocktail lounge called Ruby's, which is underneath Grand Cafe. And you've had a sneaky peek, haven't you? Yes, I have, because just before the first lockdown, they'd nearly finished it and somebody showed me around and it's just, it's very plush. It's how you want a nice, relaxed, uh, I, I don't know, um, quality cocktail bar to be. You know what I mean? It's really, really lovely, you know. So here's my question to you. Yeah. After lockdown, what? do you think people will be a bit kinder to each other when they're out on a night out? No. <laughs> okay. You don't think that this whole being nicer to each other thing that we've done is going to permeate through to getting served at the bar? I would hope that it would. And I think there will be some things that sort of hang over from this. But I, I remember, and uh, like it's a bit of a down story, but I was working in Leicester Square when the 7-7 bombs went off. And London, bizarrely, came into its own and became a real community. And everybody was so lovely to each other. And people spoke to each other and said hello and smiled and all of that stuff. And I reckon about two months afterwards, it just went back to the same. Right. I hope I hope that people would be nicer. There's just always those those ones. Now you mentioned seven seven. In the last week we've had another one of those where were you when moments with the sad passing of Prince Philip, the Duke mm-hmm. of Edinburgh. Where were you when you heard the news? I was sat at my desk, actually. And the headline flashed up on my phone and I properly geeked out because uh, if you've ever been in a radio studio, you might know that there's something called an obit alarm. This is probably going back a few years, but it's it's a, it's a light that flashes if one of the royal family, basically, um, passes away. So I was proper geeking out and going listening to all the different radio stations to see who had the story or what they were doing with it, you know, what has to happen. We've literally spent our entire careers when we both worked full time in radio waiting for the moment where something like this would happen. Right. Because it's hammered into you. This is what happens. This is how it's going to happen. That light's going to go off. And you listen to this and they'll tell you when you have to opt and everybody comes together and then there's an announcement and the national anthem and that's how it's all going to work. And that competition where you're giving away 10 grand, no, that ain't going to happen. So, yeah, and and the the music changes and all of that. Exactly. And so I was sort of geeking out. Yeah, yeah. I was on a train coming back from London. I was just outside Basingstoke and it was about five past 12 and two blokes at the back of the carriage started talking about Prince Philip having died. Okay. And I thought, well, that's odd. I haven't heard about it. And normally you would expect that there would be a notification or something on the phone. And then five minutes later, it popped up on my phone and the announcement was there. One of the things I always enjoy, reading all the stories about someone famous after they've gone, because there are always so many stories that come to light about what kind of person they were. And we've had no shortage of those coming out in the last few days with people talking about their experiences and having met him. A friend of the podcast who's going to remain nameless (laughs) used to work in the sailing industry, the maritime industry, doing hospitality events. And one year he was involved in an event at the Royal Thames Yacht Club. Okay. And they told him, oh, by the way, the president's going to join us for dinner. Oh, okay, he said, expecting it to be, you know, just just someone, anyone. And as they all took their seats, 
security team sweep into the room. The national anthem plays. Everybody mm-hmm. stands up. Whoa. And the seat directly opposite him is filled by the Duke of Edinburgh. Wow. <laughs> and he had dinner with Prince Philip. And they got through all three courses and a fair amount of red wine. And he was apparently the perfect host. He was funny. He was interested in the people sat around him. The formality of having to refer to him as your highness dropped pretty quickly. And he told them all just to call him Philip. (laughs) He was just the absolute charmer. And... Every bit the person you would hope he would be. And you know that. I mean, you know, we know, we've we've seen, we've all seen the sort of Prince Philip gaffes, but he just shoots from the hip, doesn't he? You know, and, and then I thought that Prince Harry's tribute to him was really lovely, that he was the, the master of the barbecue and he was, you know, the best at banter and all that. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I like that. I like that. Very nice. I thought his tribute was very human and... Absolutely perfect. Yeah. So that's one big event that's happened during half term. What else has been going on in your world? Well, I think this is the biggest news. The biggest news to hit Southampton in the last few years. It's done my head in for years that we haven't got it. What is Southampton missing that every other city in this country has? A big wheel with seats on it that goes round and round and round. Well, there's the new one, isn't there? There's the, the cyclonator at Portons Park, so I don't know. Well, that goes a little bit no. faster than the wheel I was imagining <laughs> yes. in Guildhall Square. Finally, Southampton has a phone app for parking. What? Hooray! How, how, how did this happen and I didn't know about it? Right! And I've been, I, it's frustrated me for so long. It takes so long at those parking meters. You stood there for half an hour before you get your ticket. And now we've got a phone app. So that is brilliant news. Does this replace the four or five other apps that currently exist? Yeah. Southampton's not as bad as Bournemouth because whenever I go down there, it seems like every car park has its own app that you have to download and register before you can use it. You're so right. You're so right. I got no hope of remembering any of the passwords beyond three apps. So (laughs) that's it. That's it. I think it is Southampton zone. I think it's very similar to the Bournemouth one. We're not, we're not going Ringo here, you know. (laughs) I know what my password is for Ringo. (laughs) And it knows my car. (laughs) Exactly. And I can use it in 99.9% of the car parks I visit. Well, what you know what you have to do? You have to go and set up the app. You know, it'll only take you a very short two hours to to do. And then, you know, you're <laughs> flying for parking after that. When I asked you if anything exciting had happened, I was referring more to your household. Oh, my household. I mean, very little apart from George the Hamster. I mean... You've you've regaled me with lots and lots of escapology hamster stories in the last few months since we got him. Um, and I think everybody in the world has a hamster disaster story of some sort. <laughs> and then it actually happened. It finally happened last week. We were staying with my folks and... Um, it's all right. We're in a support bubble. Um, <laughs> and um, my daughter got up at quarter past six in the morning. When she went downstairs, George the hamster ran over her foot, was out of the cage and ran over her foot <laughs> and went into the kitchen, 
And, you know, what, what do they call them? Are they kickboards at the bottom of the cupboards? The bits that go underneath the kitchen cupboards, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So the kickboards. He, he managed to climb up and over a kickboard, like un- to under where the dishwasher is. Get in, George. He's go big or go home when it comes to escapology. <laughs> he is, isn't he? There's no right. just busting out of your cage and sitting on the arm of the sofa and saying, hey, look what I've done. <laughs> but, He's going to make things difficult for you. And I don't know how long he'd been out. He might have been out all night just waiting for somebody to come down so you can go look what I can do (laughs) (laughs) so at half past six my daughter is crying her eyes out to my mum and dad and George has got out and he's gone in the kitchen cupboards so at half past six in the morning I mean very gleefully my dad was taking the kickboards off (laughs) of all the cupboards all around the kitchen dismantling the kitchen trying to find a hamster and luckily they did they found him um, and, and they managed to prize him out with I don't know a what's it or something, and <laughs> brush all the dust off him. <laughs> well, yeah, and then put the kitchen back together. I knew George wouldn't disappoint. I knew <laughs> at some point he would escape, and there would be tears and there would be trauma. I bet your dad absolutely loved it, though. I bet he was l- trying really hard not to laugh. Oh yeah, that's that's exactly what you want. I mean, he loved it. I mean, he took the he dismantled the kitchen with a big smile on his face. <laughs> I mean, two days later, he was like, oh, I've still got to fix that bit as well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Talking of tears and tantrums, hockey is back. Oh, brilliant. Amazing. It just feels so good. All of these sports, you know, all these people going off to play football and rugby and hockey and netball and all of that. Oh, man. It just feels so good to be out in the fresh air playing those sports with your team. And we're only playing sort of against our own team. We're sort of mixing up the the squads and and sort of playing into club matches, if you like. But um, I played a couple of weeks ago and it felt so good to run on. Does that mean you're not being quite so aggressive if you're playing against members of your own team? (laughs) Yeah, you're not allowed to. They won't buy you a drink at the bar afterwards otherwise. (laughs) But it felt so good to run onto the pitch. And then I reckon about 30 seconds into it, I was like, oh my gosh, I've got palpitations. I think I'm having a heart attack. I haven't run so much in in the last year. So when is the first fixture for handball hockey about september because <laughs> the season's finished we missed it we completely missed it. oh no yeah but on the plus side though you'll be peak fitness and ready to go by the time we get to september i, I wouldn't count on it too much <laughs> <laughs> i don't think i've ever peak fitness ever while we're talking sport good luck to the saints this weekend because they're heading to wembley to take on leicester city looking to book their spot in the fa cup final which will be the first time since 2003. Um, and more sport as well. Southampton cyclists. This is a group that's been set up. It's on Facebook and everything. Um, they had 60 people turn up for the first ride out. How brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. They go from the car park in Ealing. Um, and yeah, lots of people, you know, have got on their bikes in the last year, want to now ride out and, you know, go on some different routes. Log on to Facebook and, um, yeah, find Southampton cyclists. That's Sounds like a nice idea. Alan Titchmarsh. 
What about him? He's doing a new TV show called Spring into Summer on ITV. And it was at Manor Farm this week. And what was he doing at Manor Farm? He was there and he was hosting this show um, with Anton Dubeck. And they were talking about oh, what's going on in the country. and all. Oh, it was really cute. It was really sweet. That would have been the most bizarre walk ever if you went to Manor Farm Country Park and there was a sofa <laughs> in the middle of the field with Anton Dubeck and Alan Titchmarsh just chatting. <laughs> You'd think you'd walked into Madame de Swords or something, wouldn't you? First thing you see on your first walk out of the house since lockdown lifts, <laughs> and there's Dubeck and Titchmarsh having a chat on a sofa. <laughs> Talking about chats, it went on until the early hours of the morning, but we finally had a decision yeah. on Southampton Airport and whether to extend the runway. And yes, it came at about... 2.15am and I'd been trying to watch and I was watching the live updates on Twitter the girl that was reporting for the Daily Echo I mean she must have had RSI at the end of it. But I mean, she was going non-stop and she didn't miss a single detail Yeah. so she must have been typing out as people are talking and then hitting send and then not missing yeah. a beat Hats off to her. She's brilliant. If they'd done what we suggested and started at breakfast time with some pastries and some coffee, then it would probably have finished about nine o'clock instead of two in the morning. Right. But they didn't listen. Exactly. When a, when a meeting starts at 6pm, I mean, you're like, what? Maybe they get paid overtime and they figured that if we started at six, we get double time <laughs> for the rest of the night. I don't know. <laughs> Decision made anyway. The airport runway will be extended and a bit more car parking as well. Hurrah for the airport and hurrah for another edition of the So So Show. Thank you for sticking with us once again. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation. If so, the best thing you could do is tell a friend, share it. And if you're not already subscribed, please do. And then that way you won't miss any of our meanderings every week. They'll drop into your source for podcasts. And of course, we're on social media as well, aren't we, Zoe? Yes, we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as well. So if you need to know what the queues are like down at Primark, you get on there. <laughs> Have a great week, Zoe. And you, Simon. You've been listening to Zoe Hanson and Simon Clark on Southampton's podcast, The So. So Show.